fairy tales, children's stories about magical and imaginary beings and lands, often the first lens we give young minds to view the world they live in. Many assume these are fictional stories to be taken lightly, but what if there is more to them? This is a podcast where we'll tell you some myths and tales that you thought you knew, and we'll show you how they are connected to real-life crimes today. This is Scary Tales, where the stories of your childhood meet real-life horror. We'll discuss how the light and happy tales of youth actually have a darker history to them. We'll also discuss true crime today and some of the eerie connections they have to the myths and legends of yesterday. Tune in for a new tale every other Tuesday. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, and anywhere you stream your podcast. Hello, welcome to Scary Tales. How may I help you? (laughs) Would you like a story today? Yes, please. A little true crime? A little, uh, a little tale. rambling, little ramblings, lots of Harry Potter. We probably will have lots of Harry Potter references. Thanks to wizards. Yeah. Cause today we're, well, I'm out of breath. <laughs> Cause so excited. we were just outside shooting BB guns with the boys and Not, I hit that can. I hit the one that was on the bush. I know. I, I saw you. Mm-hmm. You did good. Anyway, today we're not talking about BB guns. We're talking about swords. We are. Sword in the stone. Sword in the stone, which Lacey doesn't like this one. I don't. This is your Pinocchio for me. Mm-hmm. Remember how I didn't like Pinocchio? Yep. We're, we're talking about, uh, you know, Disney has their their movie Sword in the Stone. Which, well, I, I sent Lacey, a, we'll, we'll, we'll post this on the Instagram, but I sent Lacey an old, uh, I guess it's like a poster or flyer for the Sword in the Stone Disney, and it says... It's the happiest Disney of them all. Disagree. No, I don't think anyone agrees with that. Who, what? Name one person when you ask them their favorite Disney movie, they say The Sword in the Stone. You've got a point. And I don't know if that's just because it's not like the typical like princess, like Disney princess story that's so popular. All yeah. of, most of those are the most popular. So maybe we think maybe this is popular with the boys. I don't know. Boys. The boys. Boys, Could chime be. in. Give us your the thoughts. Uh, the but post- I did. I did watch it to. To be fair. Yeah. And now it's the time for the Disney summary. Yeah. So it hit, hit us with it. So the Disney version of this tale, it chronicles King Arthur's humble beginnings as an orphan child. And in the movie, his name's Arthur, but they call him Wart because <laughs> why not? It's a great name. And uh, he wants to help his foster brother, Kay, succeed in becoming a knight. While helping Kay train, Wart stumbles upon a cabin belonging to Merlin the wizard. I can't get get behind that part of the story. A wizard, you know. Mm-hmm. And he's just this goofy but talent very talented wizard. And Merlin does his best to convince author that he is bound for greatness. And when Wart and Kay travel to London to attend a jousting contest, they learn that Merlin was right, because your boy Arthur pulls that sword from the stone, and everybody goes, <gasps> Yeah, and that, that's the part of the story everybody knows, mm-hmm. is the, the, the famous sword in the, sto- in the stone moment. So that's but, pretty much all I know about it. A lot of times I'll know a little bit about what Hannah's talking about in the first part of the episode. This time... Well, and I think there's no, not so much. There's two reasons for that. One, I'm probably am a little more nerdy on this story because it's one I teach. Mm-hmm. I teach this in 12th grade British literature. I've taught it for five years. And two, it's, it's not as like cut and dry. A lot of the stories we look at have like multiple inspirations. 
this one just goes off the rails. Yeah. There's so many different parts, so many different moving parts, so many different inspirations or potential inspirations or rewrites. I mean, even if you look at modern retellings of King Arthur, I think they come out with a new version every year. Yeah. They just came out with one called the green Knight. Yeah. And in the past five years, there have been at least two others because I've watched mm-hmm. them in class with kids. Like it, they just keep do, they just keep retelling. It's a it. classic tale. So but we're here to tell you where it came from because that's yes, what we do. That is what we do here at Scary Tales. So starting with Disney, the Disney movie was based on the story by T. H. White, which was first published in 1938. So we're going to kind of keep going backwards in our timeline, which is what we normally do. We try to get back to as as early on as we can. So this book was, T.H. White wrote this book in 1938. A little bit about T.H. White. His early life was described as pretty miserable, alcoholic father who was prone to violence, which leads a lot of authors to turn to books as a way of escaping reality. So he not only read books to escape reality, but ended up writing some which his version of The Sword in the Stone almost acts as a prequel to Sir Thomas Mallory's work, which was called La Morte de Arthur and was published in 1485, which we'll get to him earlier. We're going to stick in the 1900s. You mean later? A later, yes. Well, I, <laughs> We're I thought go back in, time. in my mind, I thought earlier because 1485 is way earlier than, uh-huh. than Sir Thomas. I see what you meant. Yeah. There's a lot, a lot of timelines here. T.H. White, so again, this is the 1938 version. Um, He realized that no one had really talked about Arthur's childhood or education or explained how a boy raised in this household, you know, of someone becoming a knight or someone trying to become king. So he tries to fill in that kind of gap, which he then proceeds, as he proceeds to write it, he adds in some humor, some satire, um... Because a story about kings and queens and all that can kind of be dry if you're just talking about the right. political side of right. things. Right. It can be very formal. It can be very, you know, yeah, it can it can come across as kind of stuffy. But he took it a little, like a little more liberal interpretation with it, with this, these traditional Arthurian characters. Apart from this, Arthur, again here, called Wart, he's not yet a knight very far from being a king. He's actually training to become a squire, which is like a step down from a knight. So he's he's fairly low on the totem pole. His foster brother, or you know, adopted brother, Sir Kay, is beco- is training to become a knight. Wart doesn't know his parents are, so he's a he's a foster child. His options are very limited. You know, he kind of has to follow the system, which is what makes Arthur different. Which it, it, again, going back to uh, T.H. White's life, he probably felt that in his own childhood, mm-hmm. this kind of feeling of being different or being misunderstood. That is until Arthur finds Merlin, who becomes his new tutor, his mentor, um, his Dumbledore. Dumbledore. <laughs> Ron Weasley. We need... We're, Harry I'm, Potter. Harry Potter. I'm trying really hard to get Lacey to start us a Scary Tales TikTok. Let us know if you know what we're talking about. Uh, you know they do. A uh, little bit. Mer- Merlin is one of those tutors, mentors who teaches through experience. So uh, in the in the Disney version, experience involves transforming Wart into various animals. Disney's gonna... Which I thought you would like that part. I did. I did, but it didn't make up for the rest, so... 
in in classic literature versions, it's more of sending Arthur and Kay out on these kind of chivalrous adventures. It's a little little fantasy, little little history. White also added some some of these things. I think is a form of political criticism, where an example is when wart turns into an ant. This ends up being more of a commentary on linguistics, totalitarianism, conforming to expectations. Because you got army ants and they march in a line and they're right. So, do so what they're told. There were definitely some like more political undertones than just transforming into another creature for kicks and giggles. Mm-hmm. Which again, another Harry Potter reference that makes me think of a Transfiguration class mm-hmm. with McGonagall. McGonagall, yeah, and Dumbledore, <laughs> Ron Weasley. <laughs> In the end, uh, The Sword in the Stone, this version is less about chivalry, which is what a lot of people maybe think or what the older versions are. And it ends up being more about finding your place in the world when you feel like you don't have one. You mm-hmm. know, kind of this rags to riches story of this boy who doesn't know who his real family is, who ends up finding family. and Very similar to Harry Potter. Ag- again. Also, let's bring chivalry back. It's all the same story. Mm-hmm. I'm all for it. Literature wise, you know, further back literature wise, King Arthur it get it, it starts getting more confusing the further back you go because then you start getting into well was he actually a real person? He's he's probably the most famous king of British folklore, and his story keeps getting retold over and over and over again. Like we said just this year, like a new version has come out, mm-hmm. and that was my main question when you said we were going to do this episode. Is I, I is, thought King Arthur was a real guy, which. He is, but he's also not. Yeah. Which is why it gets confusing. It's a, he's a conundrum. He is. A couple. So we'll tell you about a couple of the historical things. We've told you about a couple of the fictional, like, literature, literary fantasy versions. And we'll, we'll tell you some historical stuff, too. Because the answer to was he real or fictional is yes. A little bit of both. A little bit of everything. King Arthur of Camelot. So Camelot is a fictional place, but... King Arthur, as a medieval legend who led British forces in battles against Anglo-Saxon invaders, is, is there's a lot of that that is true. This all takes place in the early 6th century, and is and he starts appearing in different, different writings, not just literary, fictional, but historical writings. So Arthur appears for the first time in the writings of a Welsh historian named Ninius, who gives a list of 12 different battles that these really brave warrior kings supposedly fought. So this is a Welsh person. He drew inspiration from Welsh poetry. Welsh poetry. 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 Tapestry. Uh, but, But people realize that these battles that he referenced took place in so many different places and so many different times that it really would have been impossible for just one person to have fought in all of them. Mm Mm-hmm. So first kind of inklings of real life inspiration, but but some sort but being, of stretch. It, yeah. In terms of real life inspiration, some p- historical figures that people think may have influenced King Arthur. There's a whole long list, and we'll probably keep adding to it throughout this episode. But uh, Magnus Maximus, a Roman what a name, no, a Roman officer in Britain who launched an attack attack on Gaul. So a, a Roman warrior, another. Potential inspiration, Cassivellanus. Another, a what a name. Name bank. 
a first century BC warrior who led a uprising against the Romans in Britain. Another potential inspiration, Arvig. It looks like it's Varagus. Arvaragus, <laughs> who was a British king from the first century AD, who later married a, quote, great beauty, who they think may have been inspiration for Queen Guinevere. So maybe Arthur, like, was a real guy, but his just name wasn't Arthur. Uh, that's the thing. Maybe some, it was this asparagus guy. Some people say there was somebody really named Arthur, but he didn't fight in battles. Other people say there was somebody who fought in battles who was really, really powerful. Some people look at, you know, these this king who had a really beautiful queen, and they just took all the, like, cool parts of all these different people and put them together. And you get Arthur. And you get Arthur. I read one source that said he quote is scraps of history facts and folklore so it's just a little bit of everything Mm -hmm. in terms of the act some of the writings more the the literary writings the the one i've taught to students before is sir thomas mallory's work la morte de arthur which was published in 1485 ce which this is like 15th century it's probably the most classic or famous study of his tale which if you know any french the title itself spoils it. So the word mort means death. So there you go. Right there in the title, you know you're you're reading a downer. Mm-hmm. But a quick summary of the story. And this, you know, Disney only harps on that sword moment. Mm-hmm. They leave out parts on the front and back end of this. The drama. The drama. And you'll see why. Yeah. So the story actually starts with Uther Pendragon, who is King Arthur's father. He has a queen he has a kingdom he has a throne but like many kings do he sees a lady that he would like for himself his eyes were a wandering they were they wandered over to a lady named egrain who happened to already be married but he's the king so he gets what he wants mm-hmm. uh, supposedly from the help of merlin which we're gonna talk about merlin later uh he ends up having a relationship with egrain in some versions, Uther sent her husband to war and got him killed so that he could swoop in. That's just like um, the David, Bible. David and Bathsheba yep. in the Bible. Yep. yep. And then in other versions, Merlin is more magical and Merlin helped him shapeshift and disguise, he disguised Uther as her husband. So she thought she was sleeping with her husband and it ended up being somebody else. Oh. So you've got like a more realistic version and more fictional version. Either way, nine months later, Arthur is born. There he is. But the king cannot admit to having this, you know, illegitimate love child. So he and Merlin arrange to have Arthur sent to like a middle class family to be raised. Hence the the, the orphan, orphan situation. Eventually his father dies and the kingdom does need a new king. So again, with this kind of puppeteering by Merlin, Merlin works with the archbishop who they decide to set up this uh, competition to see who would become king. Because Merlin knows who knows who the rightful heir to the throne is. Mm-hmm. So Merlin's trying to set it up in like a sneaky way. So they end up deciding to have this big like sword jousting competition. They have a big tournament where they joust and they sword fight. But the real competition is seeing who can pull the sword from the stone. So there's a sword encased in an anvil stone type thing and it says on there whoever can pull the sword from the stone is the rightful true and rightful king this is the this is the part that that disney focuses on and this is where and then disney actually gets it right 
which side note, side note, so they actually did a good job mm-hmm. on this. What happens is Arthur and his adopted family go to this competition because they think Sir Kay is going to try to like compete to be king. Mm-hmm. Sir Kay ends up leaving his sword at home and they they're like, Arthur, run back home and get his sword. He's running home, passes the sword in the stone, which is in like a courtyard. Oh, that was my foot on the table. <laughs> She's bonking that thing. And when he passes this, you know, the sword in the stone, he thinks, I'm not going to run all the way home. Let me just... I'll There's just, one right there. He says, I'll just grab this mm-hmm. out of this rock, take it back to the thing. And when he gets back to the tournament, they're all like, where did you get this? He's like, I just pulled it out of a rock in the courtyard. Then they, they all freak out because they know what it means. He has no idea what it means. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't understand because he wasn't there to compete. He was there to just help his family. And then they make him go back. They make him put the sword back into the stone. Mm-hmm. They let everybody else try to pull it out. Because it couldn't have been him. Because it couldn't have been him. Because he was so young and scrawny. And and he's just a little orphan boy. And then he eventually pulls the sword back out again. So so Disney skips the illegitimate love child part. I can see why. Jumps straight to the sword part. And then in the end of the story, so fast forwarding Guinevere and Lancelot and the Knights of the Round Table. Because we don't have time for them. Because we don't have time for all that. In the end of the story, um, Arthur had a similar situation to his father where he has a love relationship with someone that's not his love. And nine months later, there's a child um, and that child is prophesied to be his downfall. And so the last battle is Arthur and his son fighting and both wounding each other and killing each other. How the turntables turn turn how they turn so interesting so disney disney leaves out the the death in the end and the the affair in the beginning mm-hmm. as they normally do just they, cut that right on that out. out but as we talk about on this story or on this on this podcast we most stories keep going back further so even further back than this version of the story it's where you get some of the historical confusion so many origins and references in someone named jeffrey of monmouth's work which is called the history of kings in britain and it was written in 1136 ce this story is this book is kind of like a textbook retelling old war stories of kings but they were embellished so people read this as a, it was confusing because people read this as a textbook of the kings of their country, but some of the stories were like embellished, but so they all thought it was, they were true. It's their version of fake news. It is because I read one source even said that he, he quote invented history. You love to invent history. Like I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. Again. Yeah. Fake news is not, is not a new concept. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey of Monmouth started this in 1136 CE. He apparently drew inspiration from classic authors. He drew inspiration from the Bible. He drew inspiration from old Celtic and Welsh traditions and just shoved them all in a book together and called it British history. There you go. And and he included Arthur in it. So he mentioned King Arthur and there he was. And now we're just more confused. And now we're just more confused. Uh, more inspiration, apparently, for King Arthur. People like Alexander the Great. Some contribute Charlemagne to him. People contribute battles to inspiring battles that he was in. Battles like the Battle of Hastings in 1066. I mean, 
pick a powerful leader or a cool battle. And that probably was in part of the inspiration of King Arthur. So also Jeffrey of Monmouth was the first person who mentioned Excalibur, which we'll come back to later. Mm -hmm. The sword, the sword Excalibur is the famous sword. Uh, Jeffrey of Monmouth was, was one of the first to actually name it, give it this like Mm -hmm. fancy name. Um, And he actually included it in this textbook, which made it seem like, you know, this real thing, not just this kind of mystical thing, which we'll get to later because we want to end with that because it relates to our true crime. Mm -hmm. But we were going to tell you about one more person that gets mentioned in Jeffrey of Monmouth's story. And that is Merlin. This was the, the one I'm most interested about. Right. And I think that's because of Harry Potter. Absolutely. Um, and we probably need to do a whole episode on wizards, to be honest. We will, because we, because I think Stay there's tuned. there are there are some Nostradamus rabbit holes we could go down. Yeah, uh, but we want to tell you a little bit about Merlin. He was also first mentioned in Jeffrey of Monmouth's version, textbook version of the story. He had a couple of inspirations as well. Some probably fictional, some real, and he just they merged into this one character. Mm-hmm. It gives me hope that wizards are real, are real. Yeah. Wiz- wizards are real. Wizards are real. <laughs> Put that on a t-shirt. Mm-hmm. Wizards are real. So Merlin, also known as Merdin Wilt, or Merlin Caledonisus, mm-hmm. or Merlin Sylvestris. Slayed that. He's got lots of different... Wizard names. Also known as names. Yeah. Lived from somewhere, they predict, 540 to 584. Like... We're way back there. In the hundreds. In the hundreds. Not even the thousands. No. He was a figure from Welsh Welsh legend who supposedly served as a bard before going kind of crazy, I guess. A bard being like a storyteller or in some variations, he's like a prophet or an advisor, like known as someone smart. But then something bad happens to him along the way, and he ends up losing his mind. And in a lot of the stories, he ends up, like, going crazy and living in the forest on the edge of town. Sounds nice. Sounds quaint. Yeah. But most mad, most um, really intelligent people, you know, like Albert Einstein, people would say they're a little mad. Yeah, and I think that's, that's part of it. It's like someone who's so smart but lacks some, like, common sense type of thing Mm -hmm. i think i think sometimes he's viewed as this merlin of course is known as best known for his role in these arthurian legends you know starting with being mentioned in jeffrey of monmouth's like actual history of the kings of britain his made-up textbook yeah his uh invented history Mm -hmm. I, i still just can't get over that uh in this version he was described by jeffrey monmouth in a way that makes people think he was in like com- a combination of two different historical characters, just like just like Arthur, Arthur. Mm-hmm. except Arthur was apparently a combination of like fifty yeah. different people. the The two most famous people, or I don't know, famous is probably not the right word. the The two most well suspected inspirations are one, Murden Wilt, which is a name I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. And then the second is someone named Ambrosius Aurelianus, which is a who is a war leader of the Roman British, who won these important battles against the Anglo Saxons in like the four hundreds. Mm-hmm. 
So you put it together. So you put them together. Merlin Ambrosius. Ambrosia salad. There you go. And that's a word salad. It is. There you go. So a couple of things about these people. The real Merlin, or one of these real inspirations behind Merlin, Merdin Wilt, was supposedly born in the in 540. He had a twin sister named Gwynded. Similar to Guinevere. Yep. In Jeffrey of Monmouth's work, Merlin was rumored to have a interesting upbringing, supposedly a the son of a demon um, okay. who was who was born of a virgin nun. Okay. I think there's a scary movie like that. The, um, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it would absolutely would not surprise the me. The Omen? Uh, well, see, like I, you know, I don't watch, I try yeah, not to watch the true. scary, the scary movies. Merlin was probably born in the town of Car- Carmarthen. The realistic version is probably not that he was a demon child, but that there was a woman who had an affair with somebody and wasn't able to say who the husband was and, they were like, oh, well, must have been a... Must have been a demon. Must have been a demon. So because of this kind of rumor, I guess, he was often linked with demons and so- sometimes viewed as like spiritual in a good way, sometimes viewed as spiritual in a bad way. And... He got power from both sides, the demon right. and his nun mom. Yes. So... He got the best both <laughs> worlds. He, he did. So in some versions, he actually he's actually like kind of a scary... Like, he uses his powers for bad. Mm-hmm. And then in some version, he uses his powers for, for good. There's a, a more of the potentially, again, religious kind of pathway for him. In August uh, 584, Merlin, who also is referred to as Lelokin. Le- Le- you said this better than me earlier. I'm thinking of the guy from Lord of the that, Rings. Well, I was just thinking that, Le- too. What's his name? You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Again, wizards, elves, Mm -hmm. all the same, all the same realm. He supposedly, you know, Merlin supposedly encountered St. Mungo or St. Kentigern. Some saints. Some saints. Um, And because when he, when he met with them, the result of this was Merlin's conversion to Christianity. So apparently they swayed him to, to the, the, the good side According to a later story, one of these saints had told Merlin that he had foreseen his own death by falling, stabbing, and drowning. So kind of, uh, this he gets fed, into he the... He fell, and then he got stabbed, stabbed and then, then he, he rolled over, and he fell off a cliff, and he drowned. Yeah. And this, I think this is part of what gets into the, like, the prophets. Like, a lot of these, a lot of wizards, historically, were actually, like, prophets for kings who could... Either they thought they could predict the future or they were just like very analytical people and could mm-hmm. predict things about battles and outcomes and stuff because he's got this supernatural element to it. It, it was more like a vision. And then apparently he, he gets converted and then he does. And then he gets chased by a group of shepherds, as which what, 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 of course, sure. And then as a result, fell off of a cliff. There's your falling mm-hmm. into a river where he was impaled on the like part of a fisherman's net, like the stake that was securing the fisherman's net. There's the stabbing. There's the stabbing and drowned because he was stuck on the thing. Mm-hmm. So, so he, he's believed to have, that's the, apparently the, the end of the real Merlin. He's believed to have been buried 
um, out beside a thorn tree. I'm sure there's some symbolism there. And they, and where he probably, and where he, where he was buried, I, they named Merlindale. The little tiny little place little, called Merlindale. Little, Mer- little Merlindale. Add that to our bucket list. Add it to the bucket list. In the actual uh, King Arthur like literature stories, he just he just disappears. Yeah, there's no like clear ending to his story. Again, was he real? We don't know. We don't know. But either way, Mer- both Merlin and Arthur are important heroes for the Middle Ages. In some versions, Arthur ends up being the hero. He's the king that they all want and need. Mm-hmm. But in a lot of versions, like Merlin's behind the scenes the whole time. So maybe Merlin's actually the more powerful, influential one. Back to the sword. We told you we'd talk about the sword a little bit. Everybody knows what the sword is called. Everybody knows Excalibur pulled from the stone. But this is not necessarily a new concept that started with the King Arthur legend. It, this goes back to Greek mythology. This goes back to Julius Caesar. Everybody's always loved swords. Everybody's always loved Something swords. Something about them. And, and they've, they've all given them some kind of name. Mm-hmm. Which a lot of these names actually aren't cool names in the original language, but they mm-hmm. sound cool to us. Because mm-hmm. um, Excalibur started, the name just was basically like steel stick. That's what it meant. Is what it meant, but then it ends up sounding really cool to us. So in the original story, there are actually two swords in the tale. There's the one he pulled from the stone that made him king. And then there's one he received from the Lady of the Lake that's, that was supposed to have magic powers, which is supposed to be Excalibur. This was, too confu- this was, I think, just too confusing for the story. So they just merge it into one sword to prevent confusing people. Or that's what I think what Disney did, at least. Mm-hmm. The name Excalibur may originate from some Welsh legends around 1100 CE. Um, so in the original stories, it's just a sword pulled from a stone, and then later it gets this name and this magic, magical element to it. In these Welsh, from these Welsh legends, the sword is called Aladvik, mm-hmm. which apparently comes from the Latin word chalibis, which just means steel or iron. Mm-hmm. So again, it's just steel stick, basically. Yeah. Later, it starts to kind of change into something, I guess, more mystical the the irish version through through in some irish mythology for you mm-hmm. it's called calib calidbog calidbog which apparently means voracious that's better than steel stick yeah so it, it eventually kind of gets some it progresses into something more fancy if you will then it was a french poet i believe named christian christian de Troyes, who changes the name to escalabar and when it gets translated into English, it's Excalibur, and that's what stuck. Mm-hmm. And that's what we know it as today. The whole concept of it being stuck in the stone was really focused on by a French poet named Robert de Baron in the 12th century CE, which, or, you know, he has it like put in an anvil which it, it, in some versions it's like the anvil in some versions it's a stone and i and i think i did some like historical research on this that i think the way they made swords was the blacksmiths would use a anvil or a stone and they would carve out a sword length like hole pour the molten hot steel into it 
let it dry and then chip away the stone and that's how you have a sword so i think Mm -hmm. the original thought of the sword and the stone is this is just how swords used to be made back in the day um and kind of final a couple fun facts for you here towards the end in uh sir thomas mallory's tale so in this which is like the most famous literary version with some of these magical elements it's not the sword that's the that's super important it's actually the like sheath or the scabbard yeah and i thought a scabbard was like a dagger it's the thing you put the dagger in Mm. which is not as cool as a sword it's not as cool for you to be waving around like a leather pocket Mm -hmm. than a sword but a, a quote from the the story merlin asked arthur quote which pleases you better the sword or the scabbard and then arthur answers the sword pleases me better and then merlin just goes off on him and merlin says Quote, ye are the more unwise, for the scabbard is worth ten of the sword. While ye have the scabbard on you, ye shall never lose any blood, but ye, be ye ever sorely wounded. Therefore, always keep the scabbard with you. Mm. And then he leaves the scabbard at home, and he gets Idiot. into a bloody battle on the field, and he has the sword, but no scabbard. So he, but not the more important leather so he, pouch. Yep, he didn't have the leather pouch. He gets wounded and dies. Well, supposedly. Uh-huh. There's, there's also when he, he's on his deathbed, he throws the sword back into the late, the lake, which we'll talk about that too. And he, in some version, he gets whisked away to the island and his tombstone says, here lies the once and future king. So, so some people think he's still alive, like on the island with yeah. Tupac and Elvis and yes. Biggie. And- yeah. On the Isle of Avalon with all the conspiracy Mm -hmm. deaths. Right. So some say, some think he's still alive and he's coming back and some think his sword is still out there. They're all looking for it. They're all looking for it. Some people think they've found it. Mm -hmm. Do you want to tell us, you said you read a news article. Yeah. Apparently in 2019, a 700 year old sword was discovered in the Vergas River in Bosnia and it was found under 36 feet of water stuck in a rock. An archaeologist found the sword when they were excavating a nearby castle. So somebody, they all think that this is, this is the there's sword. Probably, there's probably a lot of news articles where they're there like, we found lots. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, just kidding. Well, we think we found it. I think I read one one time when I was teaching that was like, they thought they had found the sword and it ended up like when they sent it to, I don't know, like antique people to investigate these things. Mm-hmm. They were like, this is just a movie prop. Oh, I saw that like, one. They were yeah. like, oh, sweet. Yeah. So. So well, maybe the sword's out there. Maybe it's not. There are swords out there that there are, people don't, there are. don't use for good things. And no. That leads us to our true crime. Yeah. yeah. And Subtle uh, segue from my- mythological swords to real ones. Right. But we're going to, as always, go to we're our snack, snack break. First. And we'll see you in a second. It's a snack and we're here. I feel like we do coffee a lot, but it's because we, we love do. coffee. It's because we need... We and we need coffee. We need coffee to do this podcast and stay up and research. And and you're probably, hopefully, drinking a cup of coffee as you drive on on your commute to school, to work. Listening to the pod. Listening to the pod. And we love creepy coffee. <laughs> we do. So today, we 
have some bones coffee for I'm our. A, I'm obsessed. We have with yeah, these we people. have some bones coffee for our for our, our snack break, and we were we were hooked by their branding by their name because again (laughs) scary tales bones it's spooky fresh coffee delivered to your door you can get this coffee club subscription it's made in small batches so that it's always this rich full smooth taste and their flavors the flavors are the best part their stories we i love a theme i've said it before i'll say it again and they've got the best some of their some of my favorites uh the holy cannoli which is fresh baked cannoli flavored coffee you got mint invaders which is mint chocolate chip you got the salty siren which is a sea salted caramel and today we were sipping on some s'more time time which is a s'mores flavored coffee and it was delicious and right on our right on theme and right yeah right on theme for for storytelling and, and all of these they do have these little like story they the from the package you you get a story from mm-hmm. it so you know we love a good story themed snack yeah and if you can't just pick just one you can get a sample pack and get several of them but we you do can. suggest the s'more time it was delicious we loved it which if you head over to our instagram if you click the link in our bio we are starting to gather a list of codes and referrals and discounts for you guys so if you go to our instagram account and you click the link in our bio you will see a link to our bones coffee referral code mm-hmm. get, get you, you some coffee get us some coffee we'll all drink some coffee and let us know if you like it. Which you sure will. Do. Yeah, you definitely will. And now we're going to talk about some, some bones mo- and, and some, some swords more and some swords. bones. <laughs> See you Bye-bye. in a second. Come back. Part two um uh, just to be really transparent here we went and ate dinner between the snack break and filming this part and we now did. we're both really full very full that's why we do a snack break mm-hmm. on the podcast and not an episode break because sometimes you just need a little bit of fuel too much fuel might put you to sleep but the second that's part of the story predicament we're in right now no because th- it's about to wake you up this part yeah you're not gonna fall asleep during this so I have a true crime story involving a sword, of course. Sword in the stone, true crime with a sword. And there you go. It's not the longest true crime like they normally are because I couldn't find all that much on it, but I found enough. There, we you'll, ha- You're going to enjoy this one. I mean, no. enjoy is not the right word. Yeah. You'll be entertained. It will entertain you. So today we're going to talk about the Trollhattan school attack. And that is Swedish. So if I'm mispronouncing that, which I definitely am, then I apologize. I did look up how to pronounce it. And she said it with an accent, but it pretty much sounded like that. So so school shootings, as we know, unfortunately, are all too common in the U.S. But in Sweden, they are very unusual, which doesn't surprise me. Sweden just feels like all just but they all got just their, enjoying they got their, their stuff life, together. peaceful, everything's free, that kind of thing. I already don't like where this is going. You're not going to. I'm yeah. sorry. Trollhatt in Sweden is known for being racially diverse, and several studies have been performed that show that Sweden is the European country that is most tolerant of immigration. Like I said, they're just easygoing. They love yeah. everybody. That kind of thing. In 2015, Sweden experienced the largest refugee crisis since World War II. Say that five times fast. 
and approximately 163,000 asylum seekers entered the country within one year. And Sweden's not all that big, so that's a no. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people. At the Cronin School in Trollhattan, immigrants comprised at least 90% of the student body. That is almost all of it. So, unfortunately, the school's ethnic diversity is what drew a racist 21-year-old named Anton London P- Peterson to wreak havoc at the school on October the 22nd, 2015. Yeah, I knew I didn't like where this was going. Mm-hmm. So, Anton... He was born on June 22nd, 1994. He was the youngest of four siblings, which included his oldest brother and two half-brothers. His mother worked as an assistant nurse, and his father worked at the Swedish Maritime Administration. They lived in a townhouse in a middle-class neighborhood, just your average family, nothing really notable there. But at a very young age... Anton started to avoid eye contact, or that's what they were noticing. And when he was four years old, he even bought a pair of sunglasses that he would wear constantly, even indoors. So something's which, going on there. Which, so, it, sometimes kids go through phases. Mm-hmm. I went through a hat phase where I wanted to wear a hat everywhere I went. Really? I, you want to know what I did? I'm just... Yeah. just... Tell the, between pe- you tell the me. people. There was a wet and wild silver. It was literally like cosmic silver lipstick that I ins- I wore it all the time. We need a photo of this. Mm-hmm. We uh, need to photo- put a photo on I the don't Instagram. Know what, I, it was like very, I looked like an alien. Yeah, we need to put and a photo I, on the Instagram. That is the story of my life. So Anton was developmentally delayed in speech and he was mostly quiet but was known to have an explosive temper. His brother was really his only friend, and they bonded over their interest in fast vehicles and weapons. I imagine because he had this delay in speech and he was socially awkward, avoided eye contact, that he got bullied. And that's why his brother was his only friend. Also, later on, you'll find that his brother assumed that he had... He said the term Asperger's, which I watched it. TikTok can be so educational. Here we are back at TikTok. Back at TikTok. Asperger's was a... German it was like it was the name of a German I'm gonna butcher this Nazi soldier that like experimented on autistic children that's where that term came from and it's been out of the DSM for a long time now so we should stop using that term and it shouldn't have been used anyway but anyway he assumed that he was on the the spectrum because of these so as Anton grew older and became more isolated he developed an interest in violent video games and horror movies which so some of these things in isolation, you know, by themselves are not bad. But once you start right. adding all these things together. Because, you know, our boys they're being red, there they're shooting flags. the zombies. Right. Yeah. None of these things individually are bad. But once you start adding them all up, you start to go, okay. Mm-hmm. Something's not Hindsight's right. always 20 Of course. Uh, this well, is interesting. Um, he was known to sleep with a samurai sword over his bed. And sometimes he would take it down and show his friends how he could, quote, cut someone in half. And we all know that person, that one weird kid in school that had a samurai sword. And I bet you 10 bucks if I brought Chase and David in here right now, they would know the exact person I'm talking about that was probably. in our school. And I was always terrified that he was going to come in and do something. So I was always really nice to him. But he he was obsessed with samurai swords. In, like, Japanese culture. I don't know what that is. But, um, anti-anti. Anton was also known for making racial jokes. He he was just, he was, like, a, you know. Very crude. Yeah. Um, 
once he impl- he completed school, Anton was on the search for a job. So, like, good for having some intrinsic motivation there, but also you're kind of a, uh, I was going to say something, but I'm going to say dingleberry. There you go. He applied to over 80 jobs in two years and did not get a single interview. And he attributed this to the area's high level of immigration. So all the immigrants are taking my job, which if you were, you know, up to the task and they thought you were smart and intelligent and can handle it, they would have hired you. It's not, yeah, that's, it's not it, the man beside you's fault. The fact that you applied for almost 80 jobs and never got one, there's, there's something with you. Mm-hmm. In the summer of 2015, a couple of months before this incident at the school, Anton's family started to notice a change in him. They noticed that he was sleeping all day and would take several days to answer phone calls or text messages, text messages, which to me just, he sounds severely depressed. The day of the attack, October 22nd, 2015, the Cronin school began class at 9 a.m., which what a luxury. You remember yeah. school starting at like 7 or 6.30 a.m.? I would love, I would love a, a 9 to There's 5. There's no reason to wake up that early. Yeah. Our brains are not prepared for that no, at that age. No, they really aren't. At home, Anton is completing his final preparations. He had painted his face white, except for black eyeliner, and then he sprayed his hair glitter with glitter, which, okay, it's an not, not, odd flex, but I'm not sure. Right. He then puts on his homemade uniform, which consists of a newly purchased World War II Nazi helmet, which he painted black. He also put on a black face mask, a long black coat, black boots and a newly purchased viking style sword and a japanese dagger that so is, he's he's that suited up quite yeah quite it an also outfit. is very like reminiscent of me like the long coat of um columbine which mm-hmm. they would go on to unfortunately like inspire yeah. other school shooters or school sword sword wielders he goes on Facebook to see his older brother one last time. I guess they Facebook chatted. And at 9-11, he logs into a gaming site and sends a private message to one of his two gaming friends. Then he goes to his father's car, drives the car to his brother's home, and his brother's already at work. He opens the door with his own key and puts his mobile phone and the last of his money on his brother's kitchen table. He then gets back in the car and drives to Cronin. And at 10.06, he marches through a side door at the school and sees the assistant, Lavin Eskandar, and his student, David Issa, I guess that's how you say that, sitting in the back of the cafe that was on the ground floor. And this one, I don't know of any schools in America that have this, but this cafe was open to the public. Hmm, it's a cafe inside, just like imagine a Starbucks inside of a school. Teaching assistant Lavin Eskinder, who was 20, wh- who was off, supposed to be off duty that day, which this sucks, he um, had decided to help a colleague out who was ill on this day and fill in for them. So that's why he's at the school. Anton walks straight up to them and pulls out his sword and cuts Lavin di- diagonally across the front of the head. And this inflicted a deadly wound. Lavin tumbled to the floor and then Anton stabs him twice in the back's back, one wound penetrating his right lung and his aorta. And that's that's a that's deadly a fatal blow. blow. Yeah. David Issa, the student, yells, "What the hell are you doing?" And is immediately hit by the sword on his arm, but manages to escape. So the the school was multiple stories, and on the second floor of the school, there is the educator O. 
Enerson and his colleague, the assistant principal, and I guess there was kind of like a balcony area, and they watched and were eyewitnesses to the murder of Lavin Eskinder and the following offenses. And he said that the offender appeared seemingly from nowhere, and Enerson thought that the masked man was joking, because remember, this happened on October 22nd, and it was right close to Halloween. Yep. A woman who stood behind the counter of the cafe threw herself on the floor and pushed the emergency alarm. And then two cleaning ladies that came into the cafe also witnessed the last two stabbings in the back of Lavin Eskinder. At 10.08, the first emergency call to the police by the assistant principal was registered. The principal, Jeno Mahik, you know, Swedish, informed by the assistant principal but of what had just happened begins running around the school risking his own life to warn the students and teachers and he was yelling lock yourselves in a maniac is loose his colleagues also began to run through the school to warn the other staff and the pupils which quick question mm-hmm. but I, I don't know it's 2015 i would assume this school has like an intercom system right like why why are these principals and assistant principals having to run through the school and warn other people maybe it's just like a fight or flight yeah yeah it could be but i just or or they you know maybe they were hoping they would run into him and could stop him in some way yeah i just my my mind goes to make you know go into your lockdown procedure Mm -hmm. like you you have there must be some sort of protocol on this although i guess maybe not if it wasn't very popular in sweden true so maybe we they did, maybe they of, just maybe they just didn't have any procedures like we have in America. Right. We got a lot of lockdown drills over so here in America. Many. And that was even when I was in school. Yeah. Early on, there's no telling what they do now. Yeah. Got to practice. Yeah, it's not fun. Anton is now marching around the school in search of more victims and he's walking like a soldier. They have videotape of him and he's playing loud music on his mobile phone, specifically the song Dragula by Rob Zombie and searching systematically through the corridors and the library. In the library, there is a full class of six-year-old children trying to hide, and they were all wearing, I guess this is their uniform, these little yellow excursion jackets, and they're hiding under the tables and chairs, which also reminds me of Columbine, the, of mm-hmm. the people hiding in the library. In the Anton, however, is ignorant of the school's floor pa- plan and several time times finds himself in front of locked doors trying to get in so i guess his some of it could have been more deadly than it was because he didn't understand the school's floor plan didn't really know where he was going he does not attack the younger students girls or women and as we come to find out the people that he killed were all immigrants or had darker skin yeah he continues up the stairs to the second floor where he finds ahmed hassan who is 14 and stabs him in the abdomen Ahmed staggers down the stairs and falls into the floor in the cafe. And back on the second floor, two students see Anton, this is so creepy, in his getup, which looks like a costume to them. It's two girls. So they stop and ask him for a picture, thinking that this is all a joke. And Anton agrees, and they stop for the picture. And that's the picture I had at the top, except the two girls were cut out. I'll post the full picture on Instagram, but you can see... You can see blood on the sword in the picture. Yikes. And they just thought this... I don't know how at this point they weren't hearing the screaming or the... Yeah. But maybe they thought the whole charade was a Halloween thing. I don't know. Yikes. Teacher Nazir Amso sees what is going on, and he thinks that this is just some punk kid wearing a mask, and he goes to grab the mask off Anton's face, asking, who are you? 
but then Anton proceeds to stab Nazir in the abdomen, and bleeding profusely, Nazir runs to the door to make it outside, where he collapses on the grass. Back inside, Anton knocks on the classroom door, where the student Wahed Kosa, 15, opens, sees this masked man, and asks, who are you? And Anton stares at him for about 20 seconds, just imagine 20 seconds of dead silence just staring at him and then pulls out the sword and stabs kosa in the stomach kosa now the fourth stab victim manages to close the locked doors despite his severe injuries and his classmates see the blood draining from his stomach but again they just think this is a joke in some type of prank and some of them even yell now it's war and i guess they're just all under the assumption that this is one big halloween prank Uh, Kosa escapes out of the room in search for help, and he falls down in the teacher's lounge where a few educators were hiding, and they try and help him stop the blood flow. The first patrol arrives at 1016 to the school, and 10 minutes, this would, would have been 10 minutes after the first attack, and they rush in to the cafe, and they see the murdered Lavin Eskinder and the severely injured Ahmed Hassan on the floor, and almost immediately, they see Anton marching on the second floor. But the fact that he's still marching like around me, yeah. is creepy. The police officers run up the stairs and yell, police, drop the sword. And Anton stops, but raises the sword and starts to move towards them. He is then simultaneously shot by both police officers with one of the bullets going into the roof. But one of the other um, bullets hits him in the abdomen and he's injured. First, Anton asks the police officers for help. But then he just lies quietly in handcuffs on the floor, staring into space. And when the officers take off his mask and ask him his name, he answers Anton London Pedersen. I think that's Pedersen, right? Because it has two T's. That's what we're going with. And it has two S's. Yeah. Both Anton and three of the victims were taken to the hospital. Lavin Eskinder died in the school. Ahmad Hassan died at the hospital later the same day. Nazir... Amso died at the hospital after six weeks, and Wahed Kosa was injured but survived. The perpetrator, Anton Pedersen, who was shot by police, died at the hospital the same day. So all but one of the people he attacked lit, or died. Yeah. The, the one that, that survived was mm-hmm. probably the one that the, I, th- I think that was the one that the uh, educators did. Like, they mm-hmm. had to they helped him. Stop yeah. Him. During their investigation, police discovered that Anton had been planning the attack for two weeks, and he wrote a farewell note, which was left at his apartment, and he also sent a message to one of his gaming friends that said, Hey man, I don't have a lot of time, so I'll get right down to it. I'm going to be dead in the next hour or two, max. I remember all the fun we had playing, all all caps, do you know what this stands for? Uh S-W-T-O-R. It's not World of Warcraft. I don't know. You're all probably all screaming the answer into the headphones. Hannah's going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. We all had fun. We had fun playing whatever that is together. And I want Star Wars: The Old Republic. Roll Tad. And I want you to know <laughs> that you're the best friend I've ever had. You're awesome. I'm going to miss you so much. Even though I know I could have been more active, but you know me, effing hate myself. If there's an afterlife, I hope to see you there. Those effing cops better aim straight. I really don't want to survive the rampage. Anyway, I love you, Anton. Yikes! It's so like casual mm-hmm. also if you're believing in afterlife this is not looking good for not you not looking up for yeah. you bud so sweden prides itself like i said on being an open society the cafe and the school was open to the public however following the school attack in trollhattan 
schools around the country started to introduce new stricter security measures with increased camera surveillance, electronic locks, and training for teachers in how to deal with ongoing deadly violence. And it's sad that they had to go to the measures when, you after, know, after, at first. They after did. something happened like this. Yeah, right. It's sad that the whole, just the whole thing. And it reminds me of Columbine. I can't even think about Columbine. We might yeah, cover I mean, it one day, but it's the most I mean, good horrific for, story. I know. And I mean, good for Sweden. There are a lot of parallels with this, but, uh, you know, good for Sweden for being, you know, doing whatever they do, you know, culturally or communally to not have as many problems like this. But, man. they like Yeah, like this could have been like one of the first instances of school violence, but they immediately took steps. Good on them. Also, I'm just curious as to why in the mind of a psychopath like him, he chose a sword when thankfully he could have done so much damage with a gun, but he only had this sword i know and that's why i was wondering like i guess it could make it would make more sense to me if the game he was playing was a sword folk like sword focused game but if if s-w-t-o-r if my if my googling is correct then that's what you star say star wars the old republic and it's it's an online no game. they got lightsabers well that's kind of like I know, but that's i know but that's what i'm saying is like that's not a that's not a sword it's not like he was playing a samurai mm-hmm. video game mm-hmm. and was obsessed with like these samurai swords right. or whatever and, it, so and you know it did to point to the fact that he had some developmental delays but it never said that his parents sought treatment for that yeah. or anything like that he never saw anybody when he was sleeping all hours of the day and, and not answering when, phone calls and, and then when they noticed like a potentially like depressive Mm -hmm. moment he was like already older and moved out of the house it sounds like but then again you also just can't treat an a-hole for being a racist yeah can't fix Uh, someone's heart that's true so that is the sword in the stone and a very sad story of uh school violence with a sword i didn't like that one there you have it but i looked up crimes with a sword and I that know. Was it. We, that's where we Sometimes went. Sometimes I that's just get, we I roll it. the dice and I get what Google gives me. And that, that one gave you a doozy. Yeah, it sure it did. did. Yeah. Well, like Hannah said, you can hand on, head on over to our Instagram where she posted a link tree and you can get some bones look, coffee. Look at all our links. We're still working on it. So we'll have more things as we go along, but and I'm going to try really hard to find the picture of Lacey with silver lipstick for y'all. She was a stunner. Uh, we're going to find it. Uh-huh. She was a lady. A lady in silver. We're we're, we're mm-hmm. looking for it. All right. That is, uh, the Instagram is Scary Tales Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, hope to see y'all over there. Hope to see y'all for our next episode. And until next time, stay, stay spooky, stay scary, stay alive. Stay away from Don't swords. collect samurai swords. Bye-bye. Bye.